0: Come on, now, why don't you give Jesus your best praise? Come on. Yeah. Had, that, had my mask on, and my, my friend Justin over here said, you need to fix your beard. Your beard's kind of going like this. So if it is, forgive me for that. But hey, even though we have to wear masks in church, isn't it good just to be in the room to be together? to get the worship together, come on. We, as a church, we, I was uh, pastoring for about four years in San Francisco, and we went for, I was telling Pastor Brent, about 64 weeks straight without being able to gather in person. And I remember the first Sunday when I was able to be in the room and, uh, and, and be in the presence of God with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and the presence of God just fell, and I just could not stop crying. Because there's something so beautiful about being able to gather together and worship Jesus. You can worship God by yourself, you know, in your car, in your shower, and God can show up in an incredible way, but there's something about being together with the people of God. And I know that we have people that are watching online uh, that can't be here uh, today. Uh, but for, for all of us that are in this space right now, I just wanna tell you, uh, thank you for taking that step of courage and faith and being together. And it could be so much easier just to, to be doing something else. But you said, hey, I'm gonna make it a priority to be in the house of God. And I just wanna tell you, thank you for that. And uh, just take a moment just to honor your pastors. How many of you love your pastors? Come on, that's a good spot for you to show some love. Um, I, I love your pastors. We've only known each other, like like Pastor Brent said, for a short period of time, but it feels like, I don't know, it feels like we've known each other for a long time. Like, literally, we haven't seen each other in a, a couple years. And I just saw him for the first time right outside and it was like, just never missed a beat. And uh, I just so appreciate you guys, your friendship, uh, your amazing pastors, just to see what God's doing here at your church is so amazing. And I didn't realize you just made 10 years. Is that 10 years in this building? Wow, that's amazing. And uh, And I just wanna tell you how how honored I am to get to be here with you. My son still talks about that Blue Jays game. Uh, So we got a little Toronto Blue Jays fan in Nashville, Tennessee, okay? And so you need to know that. He was actually upset that he couldn't come. He's like, "Dad, I wanna go, I wanna go. And I was like, man, you need to stay home. But he had baseball tryouts. And uh, Lily, he wears his, he has a Blue Jays hat. He wears it all the time. And uh, he had his tryouts this weekend. And he's a, he's a little pitcher, so he loves to pitch. And, uh, and my wife texted me and she said, he did so good, all the coaches were coming up to him afterwards saying, good job, Laird, good job, Laird. He's like, mom, how do they know my name? And she said, they've been talking about you behind your back. And so, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I bring greetings on behalf of my family and uh, it's so good to get to be here with you. And uh, I also want to just acknowledge just a couple of people that are in the room. Uh, I got Pastor Justin Reimer right over here. He pastors uh, Vivid Church Vancouver, and now here in Toronto, and uh, and also Eltonville. As he's traveling. I mean, he's somewhere around here, but he's. Now, one of my dearest friends, uh, we've been friends for over, gosh, over 20 years, and he's a a great songwriter and worship leader, and so, uh, so thankful for them to be here. Uh, But my my family, I want to tell you a little bit more about them and show you some pictures. This always gives me a little bit of street cred. I think we have some pictures up here. Do you have that picture of my family? I think you should. There it is right there. This is my wife, Jennifer. We've been married now for 16 years. It's about to be 17 years in May. Uh, Married my high school sweetheart. And I feel like I'm a rich man. And then uh, this guy that's standing next to me, the tallest there, his name's Liam. He's 12 years old. Liam Josiah. Uh, he's a little football player. He wants to play football for the Louisiana State University Tigers. And he's a big Cincinnati, Ohio, Joe Burrow fan uh, with the Bengals. And then the second there is, is Nixon. I was just telling you about the Blue Jays fan. And then this little one down there. This little girl, she's two and a half. And everyone told me, they said, when you have a little girl, it's gonna change your life. I was like, nah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a boy dad. And then we have this little girl and, and she just has captured my heart, uh, Novi Sophia. But I gotta show you this next picture. This, is, this shows you her personality right here. This is her, okay? This is like every day of my life, right here. But uh, anyway, how many ready to get into the word of God? How many ready to get into the word of God? Okay. So here's the thing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach uh, so much better if you uh, if you you know give me a little amens. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Can I get a just just like a good hmm? Just somebody hum at me, hmm. That's what we do in the South. You know. So we're gonna have a good time. If you have your Bibles, go with me over to Proverbs chapter three. I'm gonna read this um, <clears throat> this for some maybe familiar set of verses. And we're gonna kinda of come back to this later on in the message because I wanna lay some foundational work before we, we actually get to this as our main text. But here's what the sage said in Proverbs. He says, trust in the Lord in verse five, Proverbs three, verse five, trust in the Lord. Somebody say trust. Yes. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Come on, some of y'all, you, you like this verse, you're feeling it, you like all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't that a good scripture? I love this, uh, this New Living Translation says it like this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. In all that you do. Seek his will and he will show you which path to take. There's the promise, that when we seek God with all of our heart, he's gonna show us what path, he's gonna show us what his will is for our life. The scriptures talk a lot about the will of God. Uh, From Genesis to Revelations, you see this this phrase, God's will, or the will of God throughout the scriptures. And so today I wanna talk to you for just a few moments about that. Lord, we pray you speak to our hearts today. Uh, We open up our heart, we open up our mind and we ask you to give us a spirit of insight and revelation and understanding. I pray that you would use uh, the words that have been prepared here, but more importantly, your word by your spirit to speak to every single one of our hearts, including mine. We want to hear from you today. One word changes everything, as we sang earlier. So we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. The title of this is simply, What's God's Will for My Life? Um, every year... Um, myself uh, with a church that I was leading for four years, but then also other churches. I now serve through an organization called ARC. We plant 60 to 70 churches. I think you guys are a part of that, obviously. And you, every time you give, there's a portion of your giving that goes towards planting more churches. And so now I'm working with church planters, training 60 to 70 a year, but I get to travel and go to all these churches that are within our ARC family. And most of them do this annual spiritual survey. A lot of them do that around Easter. And when you do this survey, one of the things you ask your congregation is, uh, hey, if, we could, if you could hear any type of topic discussed from the scriptures on a weekend, what would you like to hear us talk about? And do you know every pastor that I talk to that, that does this, 99.9% of them say the number one topic that people request in the survey is, I want to know what's God's will for my life. That's the number one thing. More than money, more than marriage, more than kids, more than anything else, the number one thing that people always say is we wanna hear, what is God's will for my life? Now, here's here's what I, I would propose to you. Wouldn't you agree with this? Is that your life and my life is the sum total of the decisions that we've made up until this point. That's just the truth, good or bad, right? Our life is the sum total of the decisions that we've made up until this point. And I think a lot of times people wanna blame other people for where they're at in their life and make no mistake about it, there are some systems that are broken that can hold certain people back, uh, certain groups of people back and make it a little bit more challenging than other people. But you and I are where we are today because of the decisions that we've made up until this point. That's just the truth about it. And I've also discovered this, that not only is our life the sum total of the decisions that we've made up until this point, a lot of people carry regret because of the decisions that they've made up until this point. That is like, when you look at the pages of your life, like the story of your life, you wish you could go back and rip out a few pages, you ever been there before? Some of you are like, I wish I could rip a whole chapter out of my life, a whole summer out of my life. A lot of people in ministry, I deal with this a lot, I have conversations with, with men and women with teenagers when I was a youth pastor, now with married couples or maybe with a single adult. And they sit down and they pour out their heart and they have so much shame and regret because of bad decisions that they've made. And I sit there with them and I talk to them and I find it so ironic that sometimes the thing that will actually bring us to God is our bad decisions. Because we get to the point where we just start to think, I just keep screwing things up and I just don't wanna do this anymore. I, I, I just want you to know, God, what do you want me to do? So wouldn't it be good to know like, that you could actually call out to God, cry out to God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life? What is your will in this area? What is your will in this area? Should I move here? Should I go here? Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I marry this person? What is your will for my life? And the good news is, is that God wants you to know what he wants you to do, probably even more than you even wanna know it. This is our good, good father. He's not playing cat and mouse with us. He's like, you've got to figure it out. God wants us to know what he wants us to do more than we even want to know it. Here's why. Because he knows that if we walk in his will and we follow him in his ways, there's an abundant, beautiful life on the other side of it. God wants you to know what he wants you to, to do with every decision that you need to make. And that's why the sage says, seek his will in all. That you do, and the promises that he will make your path straight. Now, if you were to take a concordance and open it up and look throughout your Bible, you would find God's will dropped into one of these three categories. Some of you may have heard this before, but you have the providential will of God. Some people call it the sovereign will of God, so the providential will of God, the moral will of God, and the personal will of God. I wanna break those three things down for just a moment and show them to you. And you can't miss this because we're gonna go back to Proverbs three. And if you miss these first two things that I talk about, you're just, you're gonna miss the whole point. So you gotta lean in, so lean in, just lean in just a little bit, just lean, just, there you go, I see you lean in just a little bit, here you go. The providential will of God, here's what that is. The providential will of God refers to the things that God is going to do regardless. It's not based on your obedience or your prayers. God is just going to do these things because he's already made a decision. This is my will, my providential will. Galatians chapter four, let me give you some examples. It says, this says, but when the, the set time, it's already been set. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Aren't you thankful that God sent Jesus? He made the decision, I'm going to send my son no matter what, why? So that you and I can be adopted into the family of God. It was his decision. God says, I'm gonna do this. this it doesn't, it's not contingent upon anyone's prayers or obedience. I have made a decision. There's a set time. I'm sending my son, and so he did it. It was his providential will. Romans 2 says this, and this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming. So it's saying, the day is coming. It's already set. The day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. I like to quote that scripture to my kids all the time, but I just keep them in line. In other words, listen, God's going to do this no matter what. He's like, my son Jesus is coming back to to redeem his bride, and everyone's secret life will be judged. No one can stop that. It's the providential will of God. Does that make sense? Listen, it was the providential will of God to raise up the nation of Israel as a chosen people. It's his providential will that the church be built and the gates of hell will not prevail. Not even COVID can stop it. Amen. It is the providential will of God that Christ will return for his church. There are things that God has already decided that he's going to do. And they're not contingent upon our obedience or our prayers. He's just going to do it. When you look through scriptures, you see the providential will of God threaded throughout it. And here's why it's important to know this, because God uses ordinary people just like you and me to accomplish his providential will in the earth. And the more familiar we are with what he's up to and what he's going to do, the better we can position ourselves with an obedient yes to be a part of whatever it is that he is doing in the earth today. I mean, you think about it, Mary, God says, Mary, I'm gonna send my son. He's gonna be the Messiah. He's gonna be the savior of the world and I'm looking for somebody to do it. And she's positioned with a yes. God looks down and says, hey, this guy, Abram, Abram, I'm going to raise up a chosen people that I'm gonna bless and they're gonna bless other nations and I'm looking for somebody to be a part of this and he says, yes. You see, it's important that we know this because the more familiar we are with God's providential will, we can be positioned with a yes to be a part of what he wants to do. So what's the action step? It's very simple. You wanna know God's providential will? Just read the Bible. Just read God's word. You can see what God's done before, why he has done it, what he is doing and why he is doing it, and what he is going to do and why he is going to do it, and we can be positioned with a yes just by knowing his providential will. Now, Now, here's the second one, the moral will of God. Now, this is the one that people don't really like to talk about a lot, especially in this cultural moment that we're in. The moral will of God refers to the do's and don'ts God has already commanded in scripture. In other words, you don't have to pray, Lord, is it your will for me to, uh, for me to lie in order to, uh, uh, close this business deal? You don't even have to pray about that one. It's very clear in scripture. We know what his moral will is. It's not like, God, is it your personal will for me to, you know, lie on these tax declarations so that I can get more money so I can tithe more and give more. You don't even have to yeah, you don't have to pray about that. When it's like, it's his moral will. God, is it your will that I, you know, move in with my girlfriend? And, you know, I mean, is it your will that we kind of live together and see if it works out really good? And, you know, you'd never buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first. You'd never drive a car without, dri- you don't have to pray about that. When it's just so clear, let me just show you in scripture. This is, you know, I'm not making this up. First Thessalonians chapter four says this, God's will, there it is. God's will, this is his moral will, is for you to be happy No. That's not what it says. It's for you to be, say it with me, holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. In other words, part of God's will for your life and my life is that we remain morally pure. And in this particular area, it's in our, sexual, our sexuality. It's God's will. First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Here's another one. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. In other words, listen, it's God's will for us to submit to the established authority that he's placed us under. It's God's will. So, you know, during tax season, you don't have to pray about it. My God, should I fudge these numbers just a little bit? No, we don't have to pray about that one. We already know what his moral will is. Now here's the thing. The providential will, we we get that. It's what God's doing, what he's up to. He's going to do it no matter what. The moral will, now there that's kind of contingent upon we've got to follow him in that particular area of our life. But what you and I really want to know on Monday and on Thursday, we're not like, hey, I got to make a decision. What's God's providential will? I got to make a decision. What's God's We what we consume ourselves and concern ourselves with is the personal will of God. That's where where the rubber meets the road and we're like, God, I need to know what it is that you want me to do. And this is The personal will of God, it refers to those decisions, those personal decisions and plans for our life that God has. Stuff like this, should I buy this car, God? Should I take this job? Should I move to that city? Should I date this guy? Should I marry this girl? Maybe not. Should we have kids? Should I start this business or keep doing what I'm doing? Should we make this church family our home or should we keep looking for another church? I'm here to tell you this is a great church. So make this in your home, okay? In other words, it's, it's those questions like, God, what is it that you want me to do? It's those things that we wrestle with at night when we lay our head on our pillow and we cannot sleep. God, what do you want me to do? Because I don't wanna miss it on this. I don't wanna miss what you want me to do in this. Let me show you a few examples of the personal will. First Corinthians chapter one, Paul says this, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sothenes. What is he saying? In other words, Paul's saying, I believe that God's personal will for my life is to be an apostle, specifically a preacher of the gospel to the Gentile people. He believed that God had a personal assignment and will and plan for his life. This guy wrote two thirds of the New Testament and I think he had pretty good theology, right? His theology, his, his, his theological view of God in his own life is that God did not just put him on earth to figure things out, but that God had a personal assignment and an anointing and a plan for his life to be this preacher to the Gentiles and to be an apostle. I like 1 Peter chapter four. This is a tough one. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. That's a tough one, right? In other words, this verse in this context is talking about how God's personal will for these believers' life was actually for them to walk through suffering but to be an example, pointing people still to Jesus and and giving glory to God by the way that they laid down their life for him. That was his personal will for their life. Have you ever heard somebody say the the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will? That's bad theology. It's just bad theology. These guys are in the middle of God's will and they are persecuted and they're martyred. They lose their life. And we don't really like that scripture, but here's the point I'm trying to make. And if you miss this, you'll miss everything. The more familiar we are, with the providential will of God, the more obedient or surrendered we are to the moral will of God, the easier it is to discover the personal will of God for our lives. The more familiar we are with God's providential will and the more surrendered we are to God's moral will, the easier it is to understand God's personal will for our lives. Elton, why don't you jump up here? I wanna do a little illustration with you really quick. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for Elton Vills Jr. Now, I'm building a house right now and it's fun. I love it. I've been building, I've probably built like four or five houses over my lifetime. And um, there was one time I was on a job site and I saw this, this instrument. I don't know if you, any, any of you are in construction or anything like that, but uh, if you could hold it up a little bit higher. Let, I want to see this. Uh, this thing is called a plumb line. This is a plumb line, and this is a plumb bob. I walked on this job site, and this brick masonry guy was like laying bricks. And I, I noticed he, he would put a brick here, and then he would look down this line, he'd look, and he'd put a brick here, and he's, oh. and then every once in a while, he wouldn't look down the line, but he'd brick for a little bit, and then he'd look again, and then I'd see him remove a brick, and then look in, and I was like, what is he, what's going on? What is he doing? And. And I didn't ask him any, any questions, but then I saw a, another guy a few days later that's, that he was framing up the house, putting up all the walls. And he had something very similar, just like this, a plumb line and he's framing up these walls and he's looking down the line. And so I was curious, I had to ask him, I was like, what is this thing, what is this? And they said, oh, that's a plumb line and this is a plumb bob. The weight of the plumb bob creates a perfect 90 degree line. It's perfect, it's, it, this is a complete standard and when, when brick masons are, are using, whenever they're constructing a wall or when a carpenter is building a wall, here's what they're doing. They don't trust their own intuition to erect a wall for it to have structural integrity so they need an outside standard by which they can make decisions so that they will have structural integrity in what they're building. Because if not, if a, brick, if, if a, a line of bricks is made and it doesn't have structural integrity over time, and under pressure, it will collapse. The book of Amos says that the word of God is our plumb line. And that we're to make our decisions, our personal everyday decisions, everyday with an objective point of reference, another standard. We cannot trust culture. We cannot trust ourselves, our own proclivities. We cannot trust... Our intuition, we have got to have an objective standard, which is the word of God. And listen to me, any time a decision that we make breaks the plumb line, it's not in alignment with the continuity of scripture, we know it cannot be God's will for our life. So, so if I have to make a decision and it's, and it's over the line of God's word, it doesn't matter if it's not culturally popular anymore. It doesn't matter if, if times have changed and well this, that standard's antiquated and it, it, it doesn't apply anymore. No, 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 it's God's infallible word. It is his standard. It is the plumb line for the decisions that we make for our life. Thank you so much, Elton. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for Elton? Let me, let me see if I can, I can break this down to you even more, give you a personal illustration. So in San Francisco, it's like, you know, thousand dollars a square foot to, to build a house or to buy a house. Some house is 1,200 to 1,400. I mean, it's so outrageously expensive. Now imagine this scenario if someone came to me and they said, Jason, uh, there's a decision, we, we wanna present to you a, a proposition. You can buy this particular house. Now, here's the thing. You're gonna have to drain all of your savings. You're gonna have to pause any of your generosity, you know, giving to other people, being a blessing to other people, uh, honoring God first with your tithe and offerings. Push pause on that, and uh, you're gonna have to cash in all, everything that you have, and you know, you're just gonna have to just, it's just a small sacrifice, a small season, that you're not gonna be able to do those things, and, and, and just, it's gonna be like maybe two years, and then you'll be, you'll be able to buy this, this, this house, but you're going to literally tri- tri- uh, triple your, your equity, and it's just this beautiful deal, like you will make so much money you, if you do this. The answer for me, it, it doesn't matter if they told me, you're gonna make 100 times the amount of money if you do this deal. The answer for me is very simple. It's a no, you know why? I don't even have to pray about it. Like I know the answer. The personal decision for me is this. I know what God is up to already, his providential will. He's building his church and I wanna build what he's building. And so if it means I have to pause giving through, not to, but through the church to build the church and to build the kingdom, then for me, the answer is no. If I have to pause being generous to other people and living with open hands, being a blessing to the world and being a blessing to my neighbors, the answer for me is no. No matter how good the deal is, the deal is not for me because it's outside of the providential, moral, and personal will of God for my life. Does that make sense? See, here's the thing. The more familiar we are with God's providential will, the more surrendered we are to his moral will, the easier it is to discern his personal will for our life. But you know what the challenge for you and I is? It's not, for most of us, it's not knowing God's will. For most of us, it, most of us, it's this. We, we want to know God's will for our consideration. <laughs> that is that we want to say, God, I've got to make a decision over here. Uh, do you have an option that I can throw into the Mixed over here for my consideration. And, that, and God looks at that and he goes, that's just not how I work. No. Like, I don't speak to you for your consideration. I speak to you for your participation. Like, I don't reveal my will to you so that you can add it to the list of things for you to consider as an option. He says, I speak to you because I expect that, that you're gonna be fully surrendered to me and your answer's already yes. See, What I'm discovering is, is that the sage was right in Proverbs 3. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. What does that mean? It's not trust him with a portion. It's not trust him if maybe it seems like it's going to be good and fitting for you and work out really nice for you. He says, no, no, no. Be fully, fully surrendered and trust him with all of your heart, every single area of your life and lean not on your own understanding. That is, it doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. Sometimes to follow God in faith, it doesn't even make sense. But he says, if you'll just trust me, it's gonna be unbelievable. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, in all of your ways, I want you to acknowledge me. That's the setup. Trust, trust me. Give me your whole heart. Ask me whatever it is that you need in your life, what direction to go, which path to take. Trust me and be surrendered. And he says this, to the degree that you'll be surrendered over here in all these areas and you've given me your heart and you're trusting me, he goes, it's gonna set you up for me to speak to you and give you clarity about the decisions that you need to make in your life. This is the way that God works. And he says, and then I'll do this. I'm going to direct your path. It's a beautiful, beautiful principle. I love this, this quote by Thomas Merton. He says, we receive enlightenment only in proportion as we give ourselves more and more completely to God by humble submission and love. We do not first see and then act, we act and then see. And that is why the man who waits to see clearly before he will believe never starts on the journey. Now here's, here's my big point. I'll give this to you. You can write it down and you can, you can write this on your mirror in your in your." Bathroom to consider every morning, here you go. Surrender to the known will of God. It paves the way to discover the unknown will of God. That's what the sage is saying here, is that the more surrendered you are in all these areas that God has already spoken, his moral will, his providential will, all these things, the more surrendered you are and obedient you are in all these things over here, Guess what, it paves the way to discover those questions that you're you're wondering and you're considering over here, you know why? Because God knows if you'll be surrendered in all these other areas, he knows what you're gonna do in that area. He knows he can trust you, he knows he can guide you, he knows he can direct you. The problem is is a lot of times we want God to give us his, we want him to reveal his unknown will and the whole time we've never truly been surrendered in some of the things he's already spoken in our lives. But it's surrender to the known will of God. It paves the way to discover the unknown will of God. Philip Yancey said this in a great book that he wrote years ago. He says, I do not get, this is so good. I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. See, for God, it's it's different for us. Like we wanna know God's will because we don't wanna make a bad decision. For God, he wants you to know more than his will. He wants you to know him. And the more surrendered we are, to the things he's already spoken into our lives. And the more obedient we follow him and the things that he guides us in, and as we seek him, for him, the process is more than you just making good decisions and not making bad decisions. For him, it's it's, he's your good, good father that can be trusted, and it's in this beautiful, this dance that we have in life where we're seeking him to know what he wants us to do. We get to know him and his heart for us. And that's his goal for us. The more familiar we are with the providential will the more surrendered to the moral will, the easier it is to discern the personal will of God. I think about this in my own personal life. Um, My parents were in ministry, they were pastors. And you know, my dad had a season where he just really went off the rails. And uh, the pressure of ministry, and some people don't realize it, but it is, it's, it's it's tough sometimes to be a pastor. And it can be a challenge. You need to be praying for your pastors every day. I, I say that every church I, I try to go to and I talk to people like, you don't realize you gotta pray for your The, the enemy would love to destroy your pastors because he, want, he wants to get to you by getting to them. So pray for your pastors, cover your pastors in prayer. But my dad, man, he just, he just went off the rails and had multiple affairs. And as a matter of fact, had seven different affairs over the course of about five years. And uh, my family would break apart, and my mom was, she was a woman of faith, would pray and try to work things out for the family. And, and uh, my dad just, he, he just spun out of control and became physically abusive and emotionally and verbally abusive in our home. My mom actually lived, when I was 15, lived in a battered women's shelter. And my dad just, he left our family and took all of our possessions. I lived with my high school football coach. And, uh, and for me, I really got angry. I got angry at God and angry at the church and just thought if this is what, if this is what church is and this is what God is, I want nothing to do with this. And um, I just began to run from, from my calling, run from the Lord. And from 15 to about 18, 19 years old, I got heavily involved in drugs and substance abuse and was in and out of jail. I was facing 17 years in prison for some violent crimes, uh, was a bunch of fighting type stuff. All of it was because I was angry and I would just fight everybody I'd see. Just getting fights. <laughs> And as we don't put my credentials on the wall anywhere, my wife's like, we don't want to scare people off. <laughs> Most people are like, masters of divinity. Mine's like felony misdemeanor. <laughs> and, uh, but you know what I was hurting? I was just a hurting young man. Hurt people, hurt people, right? And uh, this judge that I, I, I was standing before as a 17 year old, um, he, he looked at me, he said, young man, he said, you're very broken. And he said, you're angry at someone. And he said, and that's why you're doing this. He goes, here's what I'm gonna do. I could throw you in jail right now. He said, I'm gonna do this. You're gonna have one year of anger management and you can have, your mom can pick wherever you go, but you're gonna go for one year to anger management. So I started seeing this Christian therapist named Dr. Doug Carroll. And uh, he, was, he was a counselor that was actually connected to the church that we were a part of. And one particular day I was, sitting down and I was meeting with him and, and he just looked at me and he, he said, he, I was just yelling about my dad and he looked at me and he said, you know what? He said, um, the one that you resent, you resemble. And he said, until you release grace, grace can't release you. You need to forgive your dad. And I knew it right then, like I had to, something really wrong with me. And, I, and, and then the, not too long later, I give my life to Jesus, start living for Jesus. You know, the first thing the Lord started dealing with me about was reconciling with my dad. You see, when someone offends you and hurts you, the reason they call it payback is because they've accrued a debt, they've taken something from you and now you feel like they owe you and forgiveness is simply canceling a debt, right? And I just, here's what I, I would tell God, when God would deal with me about forgiving, I would read in scripture, it's called us to be people of forgiveness. I would tell God, I've forgiven him in my heart, right? I've forgiven him in my heart. And God just kept pushing there, and, but gently pushing, saying, son, you, you need to forgive your father. You need to forgive your father. I just wanted him to pay for it, so I gave him a silent treatment for years. Didn't talk to my dad. And I actually got into ministry and started doing ministry, became a youth pastor, and still was estranged from my father and just decided I don't wanna have anything to do with him. And um, it was one day I was flying back from India and I opened up the scriptures And to Ephesians chapter four, where it says, forgive just as your heavenly father has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. And as soon as I read that, the Lord spoke to me and said, how are you gonna be in the profession of grace and not actually practice it? Like, how are you gonna talk about forgiveness and you don't actually live that out? And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm telling you, you need to forgive your dad. And until you forgive your dad, he's like, it's gonna be very hard for you to hear from me. And for the next, I don't even know how, it was a long time I could not write any sermons. I could not, it's like I could not hear from God. I'm like, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And it's like, I couldn't hear from God. And he just kept, the only thing God kept saying to me was forgive your dad, forgive your dad, forgive your dad. I've called you to forgive your dad. And I wouldn't do it. And I fought God and I fought God and I fought God. And finally I said, you win. Like you win God, I get it, okay, you win. I scheduled a meeting with my dad after not talking to him for a long time, years, five, seven years, I don't even remember, it was a long time. And I went to this coffee appointment and God told me exactly what to say to him. He said, I want you to look at him and ask him to forgive you. And then I want you to look him in his eyes and say, debt canceled, you don't owe me anymore. And I had that meeting with my dad and it was a two hour meeting and we were just kind of catching up about different things. And, and I looked at my dad before he got into his car to drive away and I, I said, dad, I wanna ask you to forgive me for the things that I've done over these years and the way that I've treated you and, I wasn't, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a good son, and I wanna ask you to forgive me. And I said, no, nah, I wanna tell you something else. Debt canceled, you don't owe me anymore. These huge tears began to stream down his face. But you know what happened? Doug Carroll was right. When, that, when I released grace, grace released me. It was like this glass ceiling that had been between me and God shattered. And I could hear God so much more clearly. You know why? Here's why. Because surrender to the known will of God, it paves the way to discover the unknown will of God in our life. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. Father, we love you so much. We just thank you for your word. It's, it's so rich and yet it's so simple. It's, it's so beautiful that you call us not to just be these robots that just obey me. No, it's, it's, it's about trust. It's relational. It's because you love us and you want what's best for us. You're not trying to take the fun out of life. You're trying to take the sting out of life. And so you call us as a good father to trust you and to follow you in all of your ways. So my question for some of you today would maybe be this. What are some areas of your life that you know God has already spoken to you clearly about that you haven't been surrendered and obedient? Is it something relationally? Is it something, is it something maybe, maybe, maybe there's some things sexually Maybe there's, maybe there's some relational breakdowns. Maybe even there's some, you're harboring unforgiveness or bitterness towards someone and, and God's spoken to you for years about that particular thing or maybe it's just something recent. God's been nudging you in a particular area. I just wanna just, I wanna admonish you. Trust him. Be surrendered in that area. Just say yes to it. Maybe in your own way, in your own heart right now, say, I hear you, Lord, loud and clear. My answer is yes. And for some of you in here today, You got some big decisions that you need to make or maybe there's something that has been weighing on you and you think about it at night when you put your head on your pillow. I just pray the peace of God over you. I pray for God's voice to be clear, clearer than it's ever been before and that decision you need to make, that as you seek his will, that you would just trust him and that you would listen to him and that you would just say, yes, Lord, I want your will in my life in this particular area. And finally, for others of you in here today, you're like, Jason, we've talked a lot about the will of God and all these things, but the truth is, I'm not at peace with God. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you're coming back to church and you say, I, I'm just, I'm far from God right now, but I wanna have a relationship with Jesus. Friend, the good news is this, is that God will forgive you of your past. He'll give you a fresh start today. He'll give you a hope for your future. The scripture says that if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. Bible says if we call upon the name of Jesus, that we will be saved, we'll be forgiven, we'll be given that fresh start. If that's you today and you say, Jason, I wanna give my life to Jesus. Maybe you wanna recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. Listen, just would you say this simple prayer with me? Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I choose today to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me, give me a fresh start. I need a new beginning. Today, Jesus, I give you my life. I choose to follow you. And Lord, I just pray for every person today that's made a conscious decision to surrender their life to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill them right now. I pray that you would empower them to follow you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray that they would seek you in every area of their life and that you would be the Lord of their life. More than just taking off a spiritual box of going to church or any of those things, that this would be a a vibrant, real relationship with the King, King Jesus. Give that to them today. In Jesus' name, amen.